Welcome to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. On today's show, we look at one way our local electric utility is seeking to incorporate more renewable energy into its operations. We speak with the project manager, an environmental group against the idea, and a group that wants more renewables but less government involvement. Tucson Electric Power is retiring two old steam generators and replacing them with 10 huge engines at its power plant off I-10. Conrad Spencer is the project manager for TEP. He says the generators known as RICE are a familiar concept. RICE uh, stands for Reciprocating Internal Combustion Engine. It's a, a fancy way to say the engine in your automobile has been upsized dramatically. I was out and saw them upsized dramatically is a huge understatement. Uh, they were moving one of the units in the day I was there and uh, the truck on it had 120 some odd wheels, so much larger. What is the purpose of these reciprocating engines? Obviously not a car. TEP's uh, objective, as stated in our integrated resource plan, is to generate 30% of our energy that we deliver to our customers from renewable resources, wind and sun. Because those resources are intermittent in nature, in other words, a big monsoon cloud comes over and all of the solar generation goes away for a, a few hours, we had to come up with a generation resource that was quick start, quick ramping, and could start and stop multiple times a day. And so the reciprocating engine, the RICE project, is to respond to that objective of TEP to add more and more renewables to the grid and be able to essentially respond to their intermittent nature. These new engines are going in where a big pile of coal used to be. So is there any coal left out at that plant? There is not. In the fall of 2015, we completely burned the remaining uh, coal pile and all of the residual coal that was on site. We have removed the coal transfer systems and crushing systems on that southern boundary of the plant site along I-10, and that's where the new substation to connect this new resource to the grid and the rice engines are being built. When it comes to these engines, you said they are quick starting. How quick is quick? So when the system operators of the TEP grid uh, see that uh, they're losing resources from a solar system or wind, they can push the button, and they can push one button, or they can push 10 buttons because we're putting 10 of them in service. And within five minutes, that engine goes from off Two, producing its full load capability, which is 18.2 megawatts of energy. Since you're still using fossil fuels to, to run those engines, natural gas, people are going to want to talk about emissions. What do these engines do emission-wise compared to the other generators that are out there now since you're not using coal? So two of the steam units at the existing facility will be retired when we initiate the startup of these 10 new engines. 
these engines will produce significantly less nitrous oxides than the two engines or than the two steam units that we will be retiring two orders of magnitude less and so when we did the air modeling with Pima Department of Environmental Quality uh, and we looked at our future operating characteristics the total nitrous oxide emissions from our facility will go down 60 percent. I know when you all were doing the permitting for this, the Sierra Club filed challenges to the permits, and one of the things they said in there was with the reduction in nitrous oxide, it was a false number because you were retiring the two older units. What's your reaction to that argument? Well, uh, we think the numbers speak for themselves. These engines with a highly controlled uh, selective catalytic reduction device, which is very similar to the catalytic converter under most automobiles, they will produce two full orders of magnitude less each time that we're burning natural gas in them. We're talking with Conrad Spencer. He's the director of the modernization project at TEP's Sun facility. When it comes to these new engines, because they're new, will they burn less natural gas than the ones they're replacing, just newer, more efficient? They're substantially more efficient. It would be like comparing a Ford F-350 to a Prius. On average, about 40% more efficient than what we're currently using on the steam in the steam units. Why not just, instead of investing in generating engines, why not invest in batteries or some other technology like pushing water up or an engine up to store solar or wind power? We did an exhaustive evaluation with an engineering firm that looked at all of the different potential resources that we could invest in to try to help the intermittent nature of the renewable resources. TEP in 2017 installed two 10-megawatt batteries uh, that uh, will last for 15 minutes at that 10-megawatt level and have found them to be very useful and very productive. So do we believe that battery technology will continue to improve and be more cost-effective in the future? Yes. But when we looked at the window of opportunity that we were investing substantially in more renewables, uh, the reciprocating engine technology from a price standpoint, trying to ease the impact on our customers, was a far more economical choice to fill this gap until battery technology, which means prices coming down, in the mid-2020 time frame occurs. What are the larger renewable goals for TEP? So uh, let, let me break it into, we had this 30% goal by 2030, which was twice what the Arizona Corporation Commission mandated. As opportunities came along over the last couple of years, TEP went to the market and so 2020 is a huge investment year for renewables for TEP. In 2020, we will have 100 more megawatt of solar at one site south of the Tucson International Airport. And there'll be a 30 megawatt battery associated with that that literally gets charged by those solar panels. In addition, in 2020, 
we are buying into a Osa Grande wind project in eastern New Mexico that's 250 megawatts. And we're buying into a purchase power agreement for western, or yes, western New Mexico for another 100 megawatts. So literally 450 megawatts of renewable resources will be added to the TEP system in 2020. That gets us by the end of 2021 to 28% of our load that we will serve to our customers coming for renewable resources. Do you want to see that state mandate go up? I mean, TEP's got it by the end of 2021, assuming everything works and well over, but does it need to go up? You guys did it. Well, we, we are involved in a very interesting approach right now. Every few years, we have to file an integrated resource plan to the Arizona Corporation Commission. In that plan, we have to say, what does our future look like? What, what are the ways that we're going to generate electricity that is environmentally sensitive, good for the ratepayer because people have to pay for that electricity, stabilizes the grid, all of those facets. And so we just filed a pre-IRP in preparation for the final version that we'll file in 2020. And in that process, we have now invited an entire group of, of, of stakeholders in the community to meet with us and together try to develop the future plan for TEP's resources going forward. And that includes a very diverse group of businesses, environmental groups, advocates for the consumer, the Residential Utility Commission Office, Chamber of Commerce. So those meetings have held two meetings, and they will continue to hold those meetings to help us really zero in on what is best for TEP. We think that will be an influence on the commission as to what the commission mandates for all of the utilities long term. So what does the future energy market in the western U.S. that we're part of look like and how does this project play in with all of that? There will be more and more renewables added to the western grid and the western grid ties literally all of the western United States together. TEP publicly announced earlier this year the entrance in 2022 in what's called the California Independent System Operator Energy Imbalance Market. And literally what that market does is look at the most cost-effective resources to help balance the grid in all of the utilities that are part of that market every five minutes. And so as California has a very sunny day and lots of resources available, TEP would be able to take advantage of good prices for our customers and vice versa. And so the interconnection of the high voltage transmission system allows the energy imbalance market to function real time every five minutes. So does that mean we do not have a sunny day here and California is having a sunny day, obviously all this in 2022, TEP can look at it and say, oh, we can take energy from California and not start up the rice engines, or is it that simple? It's not quite that simple, but the concept is exactly that. All right. Thanks for sitting down with us. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure.
That was Conrad Spencer, TEP's project manager overseeing the installation of the reciprocating engines. The first test of those new engines will be in mid-December. The full system will be in operation by the end of February 2020. This week we're talking about renewable energy at the utility level. When Tucson Electric Power proposed installing their new engines, the Sierra Club was one of the loudest critics, filing official protests of the plan. Sandy Barr is with the group's Grand Canyon chapter and says their biggest concern is air quality. We uh, are very opposed to it. We objected to it uh, when it was going through the approval process and primarily thought that it would be a good opportunity for TEP to look at clean, renewable energy for that site uh, versus just another polluting fossil fuel. TEP says that they're going to double the state mandate for percentage of renewables in their section of the grid, and they, they're, they're doing what they can, but the cost, it's just still too expensive, and they don't want to pass that along to consumers. Do you buy that argument? No. No, the costs have come down significantly, and if you look at the costs related to health, uh, costs related to the climate crisis, you know, it's it's not nearly enough. And so we need to rapidly move away from burning fossil fuels, both coal and gas, and uh, deploy as much renewable energy as possible, including solar with storage. But I think the other thing that uh, that TEP is not looking at relative to these units is the cost to the o- overall community in Tucson related to ozone pollution and these uh, reciprocating internal combustion engines contribute nitrogen oxides which contribute to the formation of ozone. Tucson had its first uh, bad air day officially on EPA standards last week um, due to ground level ozone. TEP says though that these new reciprocating engines, the Rice Project, will help to reduce pollutants? Well, first of all, it depends on how much they run them and how many of them. The amount of the pollutants can vary, but having these units that are less polluting than the ones they have now is not Really, I mean, saying something is less dirty than what you're doing, uh, than you were doing, is really not a good direction. We can't afford that. And look, this is a neighborhood that has already suffered enormously from pollution from that plant. For years, they were burning coal there, and they stopped burning coal and have been burning gas, uh, which is less dirty, but there's still all kinds of pollutants, including hazardous air pollutants that are emitted from these rice units. And, you know, this area has an 85% minority population and uh, uh, more than 60% of the residents are low income. It's, It's past time for them to have some clean air. When it comes to storage, is the technology there yet for the cost to store enough energy that, you know, when the sun goes down, that energy is still available to us? Yes. Yeah, we 
can go in that direction and should be going in that direction as quickly as possible. And certainly, especially in a location like this that is right in the community, I think it's pretty clear that Tucsonans want clean air. And yet projects like this move forward and without aggressively addressing air quality issues, there, you know, there will continue to be unhealthful levels of ozone. That ozone, that's something that, uh, that really, I, I don't think, got enough consideration when these units were approved. We're talking with Sandy Barr with the Grand Canyon chapter of the Sierra Club. Does the state need to increase the amount of renewable energy mandated that uh, utilities like TEP are using? Absolutely. In fact, we just submitted comments to the Arizona Corporation Commission asking them to approve 50% renewables by 2030. That is doable. There's been quite a lot of analysis on it. And so TEP saying they're going to double the renewable requirement is that's far below what is needed and far below what they can do. And so we were encouraging that. We are also encouraging an increase in the energy efficiency standard, which is something else that helps us to reduce emissions, reduce water use, and help to address the climate crisis. That jump to 50%, that's a, that's a significant number because right now it's 15% that utilities are supposed to be getting from renewable, and you want to see that jump to 50% in a decade. How is that attainable? Because I would think they'd have to build a lot of infrastructure, but uh, you said it's possible. It is possible, and it just takes a a commitment and the political will and an Arizona Corporation Commission that is willing to hold these big monopoly utilities accountable. We've had far too little of that in recent years with basically the utilities calling the shots, and we need to see an Arizona Corporation Commission turn that around. There are groups out there that agree with you that the state and the nation needs more renewable energy, but they said they should let market the market forces dictate how much renewable energy comes into the system versus the Arizona Corporation Commission or other government entity forcing it. Well, first of all, we're talking about monopolies, uh, Tucson Electric Power, Arizona Public Service, they're monopolies. And so you don't have the same kinds of market forces at work, one. And two, you know, I think we've seen what happens when you just let the utilities have their way. It's not a pretty picture. We need to have protections in place. What do you think about the idea of TEP or any other utility buying energy that's produced uh, by renewables, for example, buying that energy from California as opposed to generating it themselves? Is that going down the right road or does TEP need to invest in more solar, more wind here in Arizona? Well, obviously, for economic reasons, we like to see investments locally. Uh, we, we think that distributed generation is a part of the mix, an important part of the mix. And we know the utilities have really been hostile to rooftop solar, particularly. 
So we want to see as much investment there as possible. And then where possible, having the renewables close to where there be the energy is being used. And again, that's why the Irvington Sunt plant right there in Tucson would make sense for solar with storage. But there is a need for uh, some imports. But we think that the more that the utilities look at reducing the load, particularly the peaks, which they can do a lot with energy efficiency, we're going to see our energy system transformed. And, and a lot of it will be more local. All right. Well, thanks so much for sitting down with us. All right. Well, it was great talking to you. That was Sandy Barr with the Sierra Club's Grand Canyon chapter. Jaime Muleta is the Arizona chapter president of the Western Way, a conservative organization focused on furthering clean energy across the country. They'd prefer relying on the free market rather than state mandates requiring utilities to include certain amounts of renewable energy in their operations. And we believe that since the West has seen a lot of innovation in a number of areas and using the free market to advance those without having what we believe to be onerous um, and unneeded regulatory structures that, that uh, we think you know puts a damper on business development, that you could have states that come up with policies that could deal with what we believe to be long-term and needed environmental policies. You talk about renewable energy. The Western Way, as you said, is in favor of that, but not government intervention. Why does industry not need the push from the government? Well, you know, there, there is a need, we believe, for, for strong regulatory oversight, you know, what the Arizona Corporation Commission does and what similar entities do in other states. However, if we look at the development of what's happened in Arizona, just over this last couple of years, you have solar facilities being developed, solar battery facilities uh, being developed th that are fairly significant. And, and it's certainly, you know, 10 years ago uh, when there was, original proposals like what Tom Steyer wanted to do in that last election cycle that we believe would have been incredibly damning to our state and to our economy. But because we've had a much more of a business-friendly attitude, I think, in Arizona, these things have taken off that 10 years ago nobody would have even dreamed of having the kinds of renewable stations, charging stations. I mean, that's been tremendous. If consumers want, for example, utilities to add more renewables, uh, like Mr. Steyer and the backers of Prop 127 were pushing, uh, how, do, how do consumers push the utilities since those of us in Tucson, we really don't have much of a choice. We have to go with TEP. Up in Phoenix, it's APS. Well, because of that, we, we believe the, more, the, the better pressure is the market pressure. Um, you're having incredible developments that are going on right now in, in solar uh, infrastructure. Um, we, we believe that there needs to be done a lot more. There's no doubt about it. I mean, there, we think Arizona, particularly in rural Arizona, we're trying to make the case on how we can incentivize and grow a lot more of those types of facilities. Um, but, but it's happening. And, and, and I think it's happening because of this market pressure that's really allowing that to happen. The Western Way and the Yuma Chamber of Commerce put out a report highlighting the benefits of renewable energy in rural areas. You mentioned incentives. What are some of those incentives that could be used to get more renewable energy into rural areas? Well, a couple of the things, you know, especially on working with the local, whether it's the counties or local municipalities, on, on how we could zone these 
and, and allow for those types of developments to occur quicker. Um, certainly that's a, a big piece of this. A lot of time development is stymied because in the local areas, you know, it's not in my backyard type of thing. So how do you do this in a way that is supported by the local community and also develop more quicker, I guess? The other is what are some of the obstacles that might be in place that could um, be utilized? You know, you have Giplet, for instance, that's utilized for a lot of um, areas that are, have slum and blight. There's laws that allow for an abatement of the property tax to allow those things to develop. Well, could you use that, for, for instance, for the types of rechargeable stations that we need to have in rural Arizona? So things like that, that we think we can be more innovative in, in how we're allowing this to develop. Somebody's going to hear this and say, wait a second, you're talking about using uh, tax incentives like GPLET and other things that are government-based to, to get the industry, the energy industry, more into renewables, but at the same time, you don't want to mandate that they use more renewables in the grid. How do those two balance? Well, and, and again, I'm going to just say that that's, that's the only thing you can do. Um, I certainly think you could develop these types of facilities by just the way they they allow for the 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 coding right the the property uh, structures that are allowed to occur in the rural areas a lot of times that just or in, in in cities I think there's a there's a kind of a hybrid of what we could do the report that you all did with the Yuma Chamber of Commerce that also talked about the the economics of building all of these facilities, especially in rural areas, being a great boon for the state. Correct. Yes, and, 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 and we're seeing it now. And again, this was done prior to both uh, APF and SRP talking about the, the much more significant development in the rural um, battery storage facilities that they're putting across the state. So those are the types of numbers that we, we, we believe are important. One of the areas that we think is lacking are these charging stations that, as, as our country and certainly Arizona is moving very quickly towards um, electric-powered vehicles, that's one of the things that we, we think is going to be important to allow that development to, to happen even quicker. All right, Jaime, thanks for sitting down with us. Oh, you're very welcome. That was Jaime Moleta with The Western Way. And that's the buzz for this week. Do you have an idea for an issue we should cover? Share your ideas with us on our website or on Facebook or Twitter. You can find all our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. We're also on the NPR One app. Ariana Brocious produced and edited the show. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer. Andrea Kelly is the news director. And our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.